Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I have a guest with me on the line. Before we get to him, though, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Rock Tape. If you're familiar with Rock Tape, they make kinesiology tape that's used to help treat and help you recover from injuries. Also allows you to continue to perform with your injury or with your your trouble spot on your body. If you've watched wrestling, you've probably seen some wrestlers covered in Rock Tape. And you may have even seen some people wearing the assassin knee sleeves, which are essentially compression knee sleeves that you can use for training or for weightlifting or CrossFit or whatever you ever want to use them for. So you can head over to www.rocktape.com and check them out. If, you, if this is your first time joining us on the podcast, this is primarily an obstacle course racing focused podcast. But what we like to do is bring on guests from other sports, try to pull some lesson learned and some comparisons across. So with that, we'll bring on my guest. Joining me, I have Demetrius Papadonio, also known as Jimmy Papadonio, also known as the Greek god Papadon. So, Demetrius, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Evan. The Greek god Papadon here is a pro wrestler. He's about six feet tall, 205 pounds. He's trained by Homicide and Mikey Whipwreck. He's been wrestling for pro wrestling for 20 years, started in July 1999. Background sports he played were baseball, basketball, and football. He's also fluent in Greek. And enjoys things like weightlifting, sports, movies, comics, and art. And the other fun fact is you're my second cousin. So. That's right. <laughs> I, I always get excited. Whenever wrestling comes up, I'm always like, my cousin does rest, like pro wrestling. And the people are like, no, he doesn't. I'm like, yeah, we'll bring him up. And I, like, I'll pull up your Facebook page or uh, you know, Google your name or something like that. So it's pretty, nice. pretty fun fact. And then some, some of the other fun, cool thing about you is – you were in a famous wrestling movie, were you not? Yes, I was in the movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. That's right. Yeah, you got a you in a couple of scenes there. I think you've got a line or two also in the background there. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was a fun time, for sure. All right, so let's let's get into it. You know, so I think most males in America, I feel like at some point, really enjoy wrestling, whether it be for a year or two, or maybe some of them go their whole lives enjoying it. You know, how did you go from, I'm assuming you were a fan first before you started participating. So how did oh, that, how did that, you know, like what, what made you be like, all right, I love this. I want to actually step in the ring instead of just watching it on TV like everyone else. All right. Uh, this is going to be a nice, uh, not complicated, but convoluted story. So it all, it all, it all starts when I was a little kid watching wrestling on TV. I was always a fan, um, obviously living in New York. WWF at the time, now WWE, was the main federation that was local here in the Northeast. But there was another federation uh, known as Jim Crockett Promotions, which promoted NWA wrestling at the time. And it used to be on TBS, which was Channel 17 here in New York at 6.05 on Saturdays. But they also had a Sunday B-show. I think it was called uh, Power or something of that nature. They used to come on after, uh, you know, around noon or whatever. So I used to watch it, and I saw a match uh, between Ric Flair and Sting. Now, everyone knows their legendary matches 
uh, earlier on in the 80s from the Great American Bash or the Class of the Champions. This was a regular television TV match. I saw it. I fell in love with Sting, and I said, this is exactly what I want to do when I get older. And then I remember watching uh, the following week or a couple weeks later, Sting versus Mike Rotundo for the TV championship. And the rules is you have 10 minutes to win the, t- the championship. And if you don't beat the guy in 10 minutes, he still retains the title and you don't get uh, the win. So he beat him in under 10 minutes and there was a bounty on the match, 15 grand in the, in the bag. And I remember running up to my mother, your Thea, saying, hey, Ma, I know I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a pro wrestler. Some guy just won the championship, and uh, uh, he won 15 grand in 10 minutes. My mom looked at me as she's watching the dishes, and we were living in Jackson Heights at the time. And she looks at me and goes, okay, yeah, yeah go play with your toys. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, like she brushed it off. But uh, uh, as you uh, I don't know if you know, I mean, obviously, I love comics. I love sci-fi, Star Wars, and stuff like that. I draw comics. You know, I've been drawing all my life. And what I wanted to do is work for Marvel or DC drawing comic books. Um, but unfortunately, being in a Greek family, straight from Greece, and, you know, if you see my big fat Greek wedding, you know that what dad says is the golden rule and his law. So my father, you know, he worked in construction at the time, and he did not want me going into art. He's going to be, he told me, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, and that's it. So when I told him, no, I want to go take a test at Cooper Union, I had the opportunity to do so and go to college for free. Um, he's like, no, you're not allowed to take the test. You're not going to be an artist. If you're going to become an artist, I'm throwing you out of the house right now. It's my way or the highway. So I didn't call his bluff. So I never went and took the test. I wanted to go to the Joe Kubert School of Art in Jersey because they specialize in comic book uh, drawing. Um, never followed suit. Obviously, I was too scared to call my dad's bluff. And one day I said to myself, I went to college, got my degree in accounting and finance instead. And I said to myself, you know what? I don't want to be 70 years old and live with regret. I don't want to be shoulda, coulda, woulda. So I was going to join this school called the Killer Kowalski School of Wrestling. I knew Triple H went there. I knew Perry Saturn went there. That's the only school I really knew local. Um, Couldn't find it at the time. It was the late 90s. Internet wasn't what it is today. Couldn't find an address. Lo and behold, I'm in a train station somewhere or a magazine store somewhere. I see this Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. It says, Guide to the Independence. The hell of the independence. All I knew at the time was NWA, AWA, WWF, now WWE. So uh, I looked in the magazine. And it was a list of all these smaller independent wrestling federations throughout the country. I found one in Queens, New York. It was the Long Island Wrestling Federation run by Bobby Lombardi. God rest his soul. So I called the number. I went and checked it out. Uh, came back, signed up to the school. A month later, I had my first pro match, which is uncanny. Usually people wrestle six months to a year before they get their first professional debut. Luckily, uh, I have something called superior Greek DNA and genetics that you have in your, in your blood as well. Uh, and a, a month later... I had my first match. So now it's 20 years. July will be 21 years that I've been wrestling all over this world. And uh, that's basically it. Yeah, that's wild. And I love that you mentioned, you know, being older and not wanting to live with regrets. You know, I think even though I haven't been following your wrestling career super close, like I always knew in the background that you were a wrestler. And 
that's definitely like inspired me on like my own career path where, you know, I'm like, if my cousin can, you know, live this wrestling dream for 20 years, like surely I can do, you know, take whatever risk I want to take and, you know, go for whatever my dreams are. So, you know, thank you for that. I actually give you a shout thank out. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. In the back of my first book, you're, you're, if anyone reads the acknowledgements in the back of that first book, you're, you're in there. So. Oh, awesome, dude. Thank you. I didn't <laughs> even know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So pretty cool. T- t- let's talk about what specific league or leagues you wrestle for now. Okay. Well, anything outside the WWE or AEW, which is a new federation that just started up on TNT um, or Ring of Honor, you know, those are the top three federations now alongside with the NWA which started up again through uh, Billy Corrigan of Smashing Pumpkin fame, but they're on YouTube. You sign a contract, you only wrestle for them, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else on, is known as the independence because you get paid per match. You're like an independent contractor. You're a freelance artist. So that's what I've been doing for 20 years. I've been a quote-unquote independent wrestler slash freelancer. So I wrestle all over the world uh, right now. All over the well, not right now. Obviously, with the coronavirus, everything has been suspended and postponed. I wrestle for a company here in New York called uh, New York Wrestling Connection. I wrestle right now. I'm a current heavyweight champion in three different promotions. There's a promotion in Florida called Ronin Pro Wrestling. There's a promotion here in New York and Queens called Alpha Championship Wrestling, and there's one in upstate that I'm the heavyweight champion uh, called Immortal Championship Wrestling. So those are the three that I'm the champion. I'm also tag team champion, another company called Dynasty Wrestling. Um, but I wrestle all over the place. Um, it's like alphabet soup, any acronym of letters, you know, it, it just kind of, you know, I've wrestled, you know, I've wrestled for Ring of Honor. I've wrestled for TNA back in the day. I've done, uh, you know, one shots as a extra talent with the WWE. I wrestled for TNA a couple times. Um, uh, I wrestled in England. I wrestled, I was supposed to be, Actually, when this came through a couple of weeks ago, I was supposed to be wrestling in California for uh, AWS, which is Alternative Wrestling Syndicate. So I wrestle all over the country. Whoever books me, I wrestle for. Gotcha. And is the, is the goal of most of the people you work with is to make it to the WWE or are you, are people, a lot of people just happy wrestling the independent circuit? Um, yes, it's, I mean, hopefully, I would, I would assume so. That's my goal, to be honest with you, to wrestle either for uh, – full-time make up my, my living off of professional wrestling, either for AEW, WWE, Ring of Honor, NWA, or New Japan over in New, or all Japan in Japan. I can't speak for anyone else. They say yes, but unfortunately some people, you know, they go to wrestling school, they get a little sip of the Kool-Aid, they think they're the flavor of the week, and they don't make this their lifestyle. They make it, you know, it's something I do on the weekends. And then they wonder why they don't progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, 20 years, I've been hustling and scratching and clawing, trying to make my way to, let's say, the national promotions. For some strange reason, maybe I've upset someone, pissed someone off. Maybe someone doesn't like me. I don't know. I haven't had my big break. Every time I've wrestled with these companies, I've been touted for my talent, my ability to talk on the microphone. But for some strange reason, that glass ceiling has never been punctured. I've never broken through it. I still won't quit till it happens. But at the same time, you know, uh, other individuals, they are happy just being where they are because, 
you know, unfortunately, life throws curveballs at you. And some people may have other commitments or responsibilities that they can't juggle, like myself or anybody else. So it's hard to say, but I would assume and hope that if someone steps in this ring and put their body through the rigorous punishment that we do called professional wrestling, that their ultimate goal is to make this their living. Otherwise, it's just, you know, just a waste of time, in my opinion. Gotcha. Now, I saw you, I can't, must have been probably about 10 years ago. I went to one of your matches for the New York Wrestling Connection, and I know very little about pro wrestling, right? Like, I mean, I watched 1990 and 1991. I watched, like, I went to SummerSlam 1991, Match Made in Heaven, Match Made in Hell, uh, which was awesome. And, you know, after that, I kind of fell off of the wrestling scene. But I showed up to your, one of your matches, you know, and there's all these pre, there's other fights going on before you came on. I think you were the last match, the headline match. Because your cousin's always the main event, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, wrestling is wrestling. Like, I'm watching it. But as the matches progressed, you were like, like, by the time you came out, I was like, oh, no, there's a huge difference between you and the guy that went on two or three matches before you. And there was a huge difference between the guys, like, two or three matches before that. Like, I mean, it was, it was night and day. So I, I was very impressed after seeing it live. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. And one of the super cool things was, right, like you go to a WWE show, you're 250 rows back. You can't see anything. You know, you're, these little specks are running around body slamming each other. When you go to like one of your shows, I mean, like you walked by like within arm's reach of me, right? And like we showed up late to the show too. You know, like it, it's the arenas are small where you can like move your way to the front and you could, you know, you can, you can actually see and feel things. It's, it's pretty awesome. So. Yeah, that's the good thing about independent wrestling. Um, it's more intimate because the crowds are smaller. So you get, so no, there isn't a bad seat in the house, especially at the NYWC Sportatorium Arena in Deer Park. Um, they also have a school there. So anyone interested in becoming a professional wrestler, go check out NW, nywcwrestling.com. And they have all their information and address and phone number you can call up. And if you want to follow or pursue your dreams, it's a great place to definitely uh, start off. There's a lot of schools out there by people who've never been anywhere, has never done anything, but this school has produced a lot of great talent that are on TV right now, you know, in WWE, in AEW. You know, you definitely have a good time there. But yeah, to go back on topic, independent scene is a lot more intimate. And, you know, it, you, you become part of the show. Like you said, I'm an arm, arm, I'm an arm length away from you. So if, I, if you yell at me or you try to heckle me, People normally do. I'm always the bad guy. I'm always the villain. What we call <laughs> the, the heel in the business. Um, people like to heckle me. I hear it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's just white noise. I definitely hear someone yelling at me, and uh, I'll yell back. I'll tell them. I'll put them in their place verbally. They can't. They can't go. They can't. They can't go toe to toe with your cousin when it comes to verbal jousting. That's for sure. That's amazing. Oh man. And some of our listeners, if the Deer Park, Long Island sounds familiar, is because Kevin LaPlatney's gym, Opsil Athletics, one of the Opsil course racing gyms, is actually in the same uh, city on Long Island. So it's a good, uh, good connection there. Now, you mentioned putting your body through this. You know, and I know people watch wrestling and they're like, oh, well, it's all fake, blah, blah, blah. But like, there, you guys take a lot of punishment. So can you just kind of take us through that and, you know, you either talk about some of the injuries you've had or some of your friends have had and kind of, you know, what it involves, what it gets, what gets done to your body in like a match in the ring. All right. Well, first and foremost, to inform everyone out there, wrestling is not fake. 
I wish it was. I would never get hurt. Um, we don't wrestle on a trampoline. It, you know, people think, oh, it's soft as a trampoline. They bounce up and down. No. You ever try running on a trampoline? You can't go very far. And a wrestling ring is usually 16 by 16, 18 by 18, or 20 by 20. There's, you know, there's different sizes, different rings. So you try to run 16 feet or 20 feet from left to right or right to left or whatever on a trampoline, you won't be able to run at all. What we wrestle on are steel beams and plywood. There's no spring in the middle of the ring or anything of that nature that we can bounce up. Does the ring have a little give? Yeah. I know it's a lot harder than people think it is. Like, Oh, I, yeah. I can't remember if I actually went up and touched it, the ring after the match, or I just have talked to people, but I know it's, it is not soft like people think. No, not at all. I really wish it was. Um, let's see. Injury-wise, it, it does mess up your body. It, the, the best analogy that I can give somebody as far as wrestling goes, it's like drinking, meaning that you have, you, you know, the first time you, you uh, have a drink, hopefully you're over 21 and you're drinking responsibly and you're not driving, you know, you're going to get a little bit of uh, fuzzy feeling. You might get a little intoxicated because your body's never done it before. Then you start drinking here and there. You start building a tolerance. Same thing with wrestling, meaning that the first time you take your first ball in the ring, it's going to hurt. It feels like get hit by a truck, you know? First time you hit the ropes, you'll get rope burn underneath your arm or cable burn or whatever. It hurts because it's either rope or steel cable that you're hitting, depending on what ring you're in. So all that, you know, after a while, your body builds a tolerance. It still hurts, but you get used to it. Uh, me doing it for 20-plus years me being in a wrestling ring is like being home. So to me, it's like my sixth sense. It's very organic. It's very, it's like an intuition to me. You know what I'm saying? It's like changing socks. I do it all the time. Like people come up to me, oh, I remember I saw you in this venue in this state and you wrestled this guy. And I have no idea what they're talking about because it's been so many times. I've, it, there's been times I've been in a locker room with guys and they're like, hey man, it was great seeing you. Remember the time we wrestled? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm saying to my, I'll, I'll play along. Yeah, man, it was a good match. It was fun. And meanwhile, in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, it happened to me one time. I was backstage at WWE. And one of the guys come up to me. Uh, his name is Doc Gallows, great wrestler, great guy. He goes, hey, Papa. And I'm like, hey, how do you know me? He goes, we wrestled in New York and the Elks Lodge. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, you know, I was teaming with this guy. I was like, I'm sorry, brother. I don't remember that. You know, I felt like a real loser saying that. But then I just learned to keep my mouth shut and just go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, him and I are cool, so it's no big deal. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a strenuous torture because every time you, you – our bodies are not made to do what professional wrestlers do. We put ourselves through the grinder, quote-unquote, and we, you know, you're, you're throwing yourself down on steel beams and wood to take a fall every time you get hit. And then on top of that, you know, your brain gets rattled every time you fall. So after 20 years or after a long career, you know, of – there is a possibility that our brains aren't what they're supposed to be at our age level. You know, the CTE comes in. If you get concussions, you know, it's, you can end your career just on the snap of a finger off of one concussion. It's very scary. Over 20 years, I've been very fortunate. I've only had very minimal injuries because I wrestle smart. I wrestle hard. But I'm able to be one of these people in wrestling we have a terminology called working the crowd. And there's some wrestlers, when you start out, you only worry about doing cool stuff. So your fans, so the fans can like you or hate you, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care what the fans think, to be honest with you. I really don't. 
um, because I don't let the fans dictate my match. I'll dictate the fans and control the fans' reactions when I come out, and I'll get them in a frenzy because I'll be the bad guy. If I happen to play the, the baby face, the good guy, then I'll get them to like me and get them behind me and cheering for me because that's my job. So, again, it's my sixth sense to do this because I've been doing it so long. Wrestling is on-job experience. Uh, that's the only way you're going to learn is through repetition and keep going out there and getting ring time. And hopefully, you know, you realize it one day, the, the, whether it's a, a month, a year, five years, ten years down the line, the switch goes off and you go, oh, yeah, that's what all the veterans before me were telling me. Slow down, kid. Let the, let the people absorb what you're doing. Don't throw 10 punches when you can only throw one. It'll have more meaning in the long run. So, you know, as far as injuries goes, I've had my stitches. I've had a bruised sternum. As far as concussions, I've had a couple here or there, maybe three total in my career. Not clinically proven, just me thinking I got a concussion. The worst, one of the worst injuries I had was recently, maybe about a year ago or eight months ago, or something to that effect. I don't remember the exact time frame. Maybe around September. Yeah, it was around September. Some guy I was wrestling, I don't know, maybe he was nervous to wrestle me, dropped me on my shoulder, and I separated my ACL uh, ligament to my shoulder, which is a very common injury for football players, hockey players, lacrosse players. Because what happens is when you hit somebody with your shoulder, your, your, your clavicle, which is your collarbone, and your shoulders held together by these ligaments, if you hit it in the sweet spot, your shoulder stretches out like a rubber band. Uh, the ligaments stretch out like a rubber band, but they don't come back. So this is what this idiot did. He dropped me on my shoulder, and then it stretched out, and my collarbone is forever going to be disformed and pops up, my right side collarbone. And it looks weird. I had full rotation, but I was put on the shelf for like two months. And what sucked is a week after I was supposed to fly to California, and I had a tryout for New Japan Wrestling, and I had to cancel it because mm. of the injury. So, and I had lost a lot of bookings because of it too, which sucks as well because there's money in my pocket. But I'm back to normal. I mean, obviously it sucked lifting at the gym. I couldn't lift for like eight weeks. Went to the orthopedic. He told me, he's like, you have a grade three separation. Anything higher, you would need surgery. You'd probably be out for a year. Luckily, it wasn't as severe as it could have been. So now I'm back to normal, been in the ring now for months. It's great. Back to the back to the hustle. And then we get hit with this coronavirus. So everything's been put on hold. Yeah. Now, you mentioned, you know, obviously you're wrestling in matches. How often on an average year do you wrestle on the weekends? Every weekend. Really? And I still train every week at NYWC. That's crazy. So let, let's take us into the physical training side of things, you know, Go through, you know, what your normal training schedule is like, because that's got to be challenging training, but then you still have to, like, you know, you're going to the gym, you're doing in-ring in ring work, and then at the same time, you can't show up, like, having crushed leg day the day before and, you know, try to wrestle if you can't walk right. So, it takes us through a week of your training. All right, well, the way I train in the gym is uh, I do a body part a day. So, let's say Monday I'll do legs. Tuesday, I'll do back or whatever. Then I'll do chest on Wednesday and then shoulders and then arms. And then repeat the cycle if I, just, you know, if I don't take a day off or whatever the case may be. Sometimes I'll double up on body parts. 
but then I would train on a, I, I would train once a week in the ring at NYWC or, or wherever I'm training. It's intense. You know, I've been wrestling 20 years. So the people out there, I started when I was 22. So just to do the math for you, because Greeks invented math, I'm 42 years old. And at, four, and at 42 years old, I'm running circles around all the 20-year-old kids. Like literally, I'm not trying to make myself sound like I'm Superman, but I'm a machine when it comes to being in that ring. I don't get winded. In, in wrestling, it's called getting blown up. Or in, you, if you watch UFC or whatever, you hear people saying, oh, he's gassed. That doesn't happen to me. I'm like a machine. I can go 60 minutes, 90 minutes, two hours wrestling in a ring, and I'm fine. You know, playing with my kids for five minutes, then I'm all blown up and gassed. That's a different <laughs> story. Uh, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I don't know what it is. God has just blessed me with the ability to go nonstop and be a machine in the ring. So when I go to wrestling, I go 100%. I don't try to cash it in. I, I let all the little guys, I'm not little guys, the new kids try to work on their moves and, us, and I'll be the one taking all the offense just so I can keep my wind up. And then when they're huffing and puffing, I'm like, come on, man, let's go. They're like, how are you not blowing up? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I'm just a machine. I, mean, I have Greeks, Greek superior genetics. What do you want me to tell you? Oh, that's amazing. People are probably enjoying that because uh, I feel the same way with obstacle course racing. Like, you know, I run and do like eight and 24 hour obstacle course races. And then my daughter wants to play for, and like 10 minutes in, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm exhausted. What are we yeah. <laughs> running, running me into the ground there. So that's pretty funny. It's weird. It's weird to how something, some, someone so little can take the, so much breath out of you, you know, and you, you know, it's just, it's funny because I, I say that line all the time and then people laugh, but they can relate. Like, like you just related with me. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You see so many different athletes say the same thing and, and hate to break it to you. Professional wrestlers are athletes. A lot of people out there, like I said, wrestling isn't fake. Oh, you know where they know the winner and the loser. Yeah. It's a fixed fight. Just like boxing or MMA. Uh, you can, I'll debate you on it all day long with this stuff. It's a fixed fight and it is its own hybrid, its own being, if you will. Because it's part entertainment, it's part wrestling, it's part showmanship, it's part athleticism. So it incorporates all these different aspects from different fields and, and mixes it into its own, I guess, soup, if you will, its own thing. And the outcome is there's no other, there's nothing out there like it as far as uh, athleticism, sport, or entertainment, because we're basically, and, and the best is, oh, you guys are a bunch of actors. We're not actors. A good wrestler is not an actor. GGP, a.k.a. Greek God Papadon, a.k.a. myself, is not an actor. I am a reactor. Because if I go out there and try to script my match from A to Z, and that's not what you want to see, then I'm not doing the company that's paying me any favors because you're not going to come back. I'm not doing the fans any favor because... I'm giving you something that you don't want. You ever go to a restaurant, order a hamburger, and they bring you out a salad? You're going to be like, this is not what I ordered. You know what I'm saying? So I go out there, I get a feeling for the crowd, and I give them what they want. But again, I'm the one who's subliminally manipulating what they want through my tactics and through my presence in the ring. I know how to play a crowd. Uh, and that's because I've been doing it so long that it is second nature to me. And if you ask my wife, I have a black belt or a PhD in pissing people off. She'll definitely attest to you to that, you know? So I know what to give them. I know how to give it to them to the point when they're leaving the show, 
they remember exactly who I am. And I'm always the guy they're talking about. They're like, oh, you know, this match was great. But this guy, he really pissed me off. Or that match, if they're sitting on their hands all night because they don't want to be the first one to clap because they don't want to seem foolish, then when I come out, I get them on the edge of their seats and they're ready to, to, to lynch me because they hate me, you know? So that's my job as the heel, the villain in the match. And that's what I'll do. But it's not fake. That's the worst, that's the worst thing you can tell a professional wrestler. Well, that fake fighting you do. Yeah, you fake fighting? Get in there. Let me show you fake fighting. Let me show you... 10 minutes in the ring with me, you'll be gassing for air like, like nothing you've ever dealt with before. And it's funny because you see professional athletes in other fields, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, who decide to get into this field of professional wrestling, give it a shot, give it an opportunity. And then they always come out saying the same thing. Man, that was the hardest thing I ever tried doing. Harder than football, harder than my, my, my profession that I made millions of dollars in. I don't know how these guys do it, you know, on the road every day because there is no off-season in wrestling, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, like you said, you're doing shows every weekend, which is frankly insane, right? Like, I mean, you know, every, every, every profession has an off season. It's, that's insane. So. Yeah, it's the circus life, unfortunately. And that's, that's, that's what has been groomed. It started off being regional and territorial back in the day. Then it became on a national level with cable TV and McMahon taking over and conquering Vince McMahon, that is conquering the entire industry. So it is, it is uh, unfortunately something that there is no off season being, if you're in the WWE back in the day, you were on the road 300 days a year, traveling up and down the roads in a car packed, filled with wrestlers, you know, not getting any sleep and then going out and doing what we're doing. And, you know, people are like, Oh, that's insane. It is. But the thrill you get and the high you get from entertaining these individuals through your antics in the ring is the greatest thrill or high you'll ever get. I don't care what any, anyone says. If anyone, I mean, I don't, I'm not a proponent for any narcotics at all, legal or illegal. I'm not one for drugs. But if, you go, if you've ever tried any drugs in your lifetime or you'd like to drink and get that buzz going, being a, a person who goes out there and able to manipulate a plethora of people in a crowd, there's no high greater than that. Awesome. I love it. Now, you mentioned it kind of briefly about Vince McMahon taking over um, and kind of dictating some of the schedule. So in the obstacle course racing world, uh, there's always been three big brands that have been in charge of everything, right? There's been Tough Mudder, Spartan, and Warrior Dash. Last year, Warrior Dash went out of business. This year, Tough Mudder essentially went out of business and then Spartan bought them. So now Spartan essentially has the three biggest brands consolidated into one, and then there's all these all these little independent uh i'm I'm gonna steal your term there uh brands right there's like savage race and conquer the gauntlet and kind of one-off races throughout the country and i think that's somewhat similar to some of the history of wrestling where back in the 90s we had wwf wcw ecw and now there's basically wwe is like the big one and then there's all these independents so i guess take me through from the wrestling side you know any kind of positives or negatives that came out of that kind of consolidation of power into one entity? All right. Uh, unfortunately for me, I got into the wrestling business at the wrong time. I started training in June of 99. I had my first pro fight June, uh, July of 99. And it's funny because I'm one of the rare breeds to come out of New York because at the time you had to go get your license to be a wrestler through this New York State Athletic Commission. Um, 
and which means that you have to prove that you trained at a reputable school and get sponsored by two licensed wrestlers in order for you to achieve your license. I did that. And nowadays, uh, that's not the case. Anybody can go into a wrestling ring and say they're or claim to be a pro wrestler or, or a wrestler and do or try to do what I do. But regardless of that, like I said, I got in the wrong time in the business, meaning because in the year 19, the late 1999, early 2000s, ECW folded shop, WCW, uh, and uh, WWF, now WWE, bought them up. A year later, WCW folded shop, WWF, WWE bought them up. So what does that mean? That means the level of opportunity to become a professional wrestler on a level where you're on a national stage making six to seven figures a year salary decreased exponentially because you had all these people from these other companies that are now in the WWE. WWE had their own wrestlers at the time too. So it was oversaturated. And on top of that, you had all these independent companies, independent wrestlers, I mean, who were hoping to make it to one of these three companies. Now those, those windows of opportunity are closed. So that unfortunately happened later on ring of honor opened up but ring of honor. Isn't where it like it is now, as far as, you know, uh, financial gain first for a wrestler. It was a small independent company that grew into what it is and now owned by, uh, uh, what's that cable company off the top of my head? I can't remember. Oh man, I'm sorry about that. But regardless, they're owned by a big cable conglomerate. Now the wrestlers are specifically contracted to that company. So right now you have WWE, which is the biggest company. You have Tony Khan from the Jack, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, who opened up a company called All Elite Wrestling, which is on TNT right now, and Ring of Honor. No, 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 no. It's a cable provider, oh, yeah, Verizon. Yeah, yeah, they own, they own Ring of Honor. So Ring of Honor is on all their channels, and, and, and they're on uh, syndicated. They're also syndicated as well. So these three companies right now are, are, large, are the three top three. And there's also the NWA and another company called Major League Wrestling, uh, Major League Wrestling, unfortunately, doesn't have a TV deal, but NWA's every week, they do TV taping, studio wrestling, old school style wrestling that's on YouTube, but they're getting millions of people watching their programming. So it looks like a good time now, but it's also 20 years later. I started when I was 22, I'm 42. People are like, oh, they're not going to give you a break now. You're 42 years old. Listen, age is just a number to me anyway. At 42 years old, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I have a real nine to five job career in accounting and financial analysis. I'm a professional wrestler. Uh, I do two podcast shows a week. You know, one is a Star Wars podcast show that I do. One's a conspiracy theory podcast show that I do. So, you know, life is what you make of it. So if you sit back and say, I don't have time to go to the gym, I'm just going to sit here during quarantine and not do sit-ups or push-ups or go for a walk or go for a run and just get, you know, let myself get out of shape, then that's on you. But anyone out there listening, you know, whether you want to become a professional wrestler, whether you want to become a ballerina, whether you want to become a movie star, that's your dream. Follow it, man. You only have one life to live. Now, can you do it at the same time, have something else to fall back on? Yeah. Because if I depended on professional wrestling to pay for my life, I'd be living on a corner somewhere right now in a, in a cardboard box because the pay discrepancy between independent wrestler and main eventer in WWE is two sides of the spectrum. It is what it is. That's the nature of the beast. I knew that coming into the business. So I have a career that I 
doing accounting and finance to feed my family, pay my mortgage. And I got 37 kids. So, you know, I have a lot of mouths to feed. So. Gotcha. What's the name of your two podcasts in case people want to tune in? Okay. Uh, my Star Wars podcast is The New Force Order. You can find it on YouTube. The YouTube page is New Force Order. Not very challenging. Anywhere podcasts can be found, you can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, where, I don't know, YouTube, uh, uh, Apple Play. I don't know what the hell all this stuff is. I'm not too tech savvy, if you will. <laughs> right? It's myself, uh, Alex, Destroy, uh, Alex Arroyo, a.k.a. Dr. Destroyo, and uh, Spiro Antonopoulos, a.k.a. Darth Spirodon. Once, Spiro is a photographer slash movie director, independent movie director. Dr. Destroyo is actual pediatrician, doctor, and me being a pro wrestler. It's a very eclectic group. It's not your typical Star Wars podcast where it's paint by the numbers, where you have three versions from their mother's basement talking about, oh, Star Wars, you know? Ep, you know, uh, the 44-minute mark of the movie, uh, this happened because A, B, C, and X, Y, Z. No, it's very raunchy, our podcast. Three guys who grew up in the 80s and the 90s. It's not PC. It's not very, um, you know, uh, paint by the numbers. It's... Star Wars with an edge. You know, if you're an in-the-closet Star Wars fan, you don't want people to laugh on you or, you know, in-the-closet comic book or sci-fi fan, which is very rare nowadays because the pop culture is really based around all these people yeah, uh, and, and what I grew up on. You know, me being, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, you went to comics and to Star Wars and sci-fi, you considered a geek or a nerd. But, you know, regardless, anyone tried to call me that to my face and, and try to downplay it, I'd punch him right in the throat. That's another story for another time. Now the conspiracy, uh, the conspiracy theory podcast is very interesting as well. It's called the Conspiracy Horseman. It's four pro wrestlers: myself, Stevie Richards, uh, from WWE, ECW, TNA fame. He was in the Blue World Order, Right to Censor, all that stuff. Uh, Big Sal Graziano from FBI, from the ECW, WWE, and Bin Hamin, who's another independent wrestler, but was also down in OVW for many years. Um, he does a chic Middle Eastern gimmick. And what we are, four independent wrestlers who are not into conspiracy theories because it's cool to be into conspiracy theories. We're into free thinking and always questioning the narrative. So we talk about everything and have spoken about everything from 9-11 to JFK assassination to moon landing. That's like the famous conspiracy theories to vaccinations to what's going on nowadays with coronavirus, to 5G, to, you know, we've had guests on, we've had, uh, what's his name, uh, McAfee on as a guest. Uh, we've had tons of people come on uh, from different aspects of life, walks of life, to where we talk about everything under the sun. But basically what we do is we want to let people know that it's okay to question everything and to not only question a narrative, but do your own research. Don't be told what to do. You know, uh, whether you know, we're not telling you what you believe is wrong and what we believe is right. That wouldn't be right of us. We, you know, we respect everyone's opinion, and we welcome it because guess what, Evan, you might believe in something that I don't believe in. You tell me something, it might skew my thought, might change my mind, and might make me think of something differently that I thought of six months ago doesn't necessarily mean I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong. It's good to be open-minded because you never know. You're never old enough to stop learning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the Conspiracy Horseman can be found live 
on Twitch TV, twitch.com. Uh, it's the conspiracy horseman forward slash twitch.tv every Wednesday at 7.15. We do a live show, but you can find the podcast anywhere on Podbean, on Stitcher, on all these other platforms, um, just like any, like your podcast. It's available everywhere. And um, it's the Conspiracy Horseman. You can probably also find the same thing with the New Force Order, which is the Star Wars podcast, through uh, Hameen Media Group. That's the one. But we also try to push the show separately. So if you can't find it on either name, you type in H-A-M-I-N, Hameen Media Group, and it's usually on that platform as well. Gotcha. You know, I'm sure when you when you first went out to become a professional wrestler, there were some people, you know, I would say probably naysaying you or, you know, <laughs> telling you you're wasting your time. When did that, like, how long did it take before that? And people were like, oh, no, you're, you're good at this. Like, you should keep doing this. Or is it still, is it, did that ever change? Uh, to be fair, nobody gave me any vote of confidence. My friends all laughed at me. They came, they saw me in my first match. They thought it was cool. They thought it would be one and done. Um, but they're not against it now. They've seen how much I love it. Uh, my family, they've accepted it. Uh, unfortunately, my father passed away. Uh, this Christmas will be 10 years. Um, but, uh, at the beginning, they hated it. My dad came and saw me at the, uh, the doghouse, which is a famous, uh, now infamous New York wrestling school that originally I started training at that closed down. Uh, it produced such, like I was saying, uh, like you said before, I was trained by Homicide. Uh, Homicide, he was TNA, Ring of Honor, wrestler, now NWA. Um, he trained me over there. And, we, and there was a select few. Anybody who's anybody that came from the doghouse is known as a New York independent wrestling legend now. Myself, uh, Homicide, uh, Lowlife Louis Ramos, Lathan, the Tower of Torture, Loki, the Hit Squad, which is Danny Moff and Monster Mac, just to name a few people, the Christopher Street Connection. You know, there's so many people that have come through, and I'm very fortunate because the other side of the spectrum was if you were trained by Mike Whiprick in New York, you're either, you're also a New York indie legend, such as the Amazing Red, the, the Spanish announced team, aka the SATs, Brian XL, Xavier, Mega. You know, and then the third place was at the time, a long time ago, was Johnny Rod. So guys like Matt Stryker, Prince Nana, these are all independent legend guys. Like if you go to a show and you see these guys, they're seasoned veterans like myself who've been in the game the last 15, 20 years or longer. And people know who we are because we're, you know, we're all New York indie legend guys, you know, because we've been around so long and multiple people have seen us do our craft and do our thing. Not to get off topic, I usually go off on rants. I apologize. <laughs> What was the, what were, um, I, now this is where the CTE kicks in. Where were, where were we going with this? I, I totally lost base of what I was thinking, where I was going to bring this back to. What was the question? Oh, I'm sorry, Evan. It was basically, you know, when did, it, when did that change where oh, yeah, how that's many right. years where people were like, all right, you're good at this. We believe in you. Like, okay. keep, keep going for it. That's right. So my dad, that's right. My dad came in to watch me a few times and he looked at me. He was like, you know, I can, I can believe you being a wrestler, but some of these guys need to go hit the gym. And then he's like, I'm wasting my time. And my mom's kept saying, I'm wasting my time. She still says, you know, quit that wrestling stuff. And I'm like, be out of your goddamn mind. I love you, mom, but no, ain't happening. But when my dad saw me in the movie, The Wrestler, he's like, wait a minute, you're in a movie? Oh my God, that's my son. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, you, you know, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. I'm in a lot of the scenes in the beginning of the movie, you but, are, I didn't, yeah. but I didn't know about it. You know, like I never even mentioned it to 
anybody that was in the movie. Because I don't want to be that guy saying, hey, I'm in a movie. I'm a movie star. And then when people go see the movie, my shoulder's in one scene. You know what I mean? Like a piece yeah. of my shoulder. Because a lot of stuff ends up on the cutting room floor. You know? And I knew that being a big movie buff that I love, because I love movies, that that may happen. So I didn't make a big deal out of it. So when I went to go, the, saw, go see the movie at the theater with my wife at the time, she looked at me, she goes, why didn't you tell me you had so many scenes? Why didn't, <laughs> why didn't you tell me that your name was in the movie? Because they mentioned Papadon in the movie. I said, because I didn't know. And I don't want to be that guy. And she goes, all right. And then I all, all, you know, every, and then when my dad saw it, he was like, holy cow. So he was kind of like happy and proud that his son was in a, in a national, you know, blockbuster film. But, you know, to him, he came from a different generation in Greece. You know, you work, you, you go, you do your thing and you find a job and hopefully you become a doctor where you could be rich and, you know, you're successful and you have your family, you go to church and that's it. That's all he knew, you know? Us growing up, including yourself, different time, man, different era. And the people growing up now, like my children and my younger brother, Mario, and his generation, they're all different too. You know, you know the millennials and everything think differently than we, than, 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 than my generation thinks. I don't know the name of my generation, if it's generation X or, or whatever, yeah. but, you know, it, it is what it is. So to them, unfortunately for everybody who, who knows me, I'm not wrestling for you guys. I'm not wrestling for anyone but me and that's it. And I don't care if people love it. I don't care if people hate it. The only one who did show me support from day one was my wife. Because when we started dating, I told her, hey, this is the deal. One day I will be in WWE or whatever federation, and I'll be on the road a lot. But I need to know now that you're cool with it because I don't want to get to that point. We have a house. We have a family. We have all these assets together, and we have kids. And you try to put this ultimatum. It's either us or wrestling because I'm going to pick wrestling 10 out of 10 times. You know, this is my first passion. This is my love. And she looked at me. She goes, does it make you happy? I said, yeah. She goes, then it makes me happy that you're happy. And then I said, okay, you know, she's a keeper. So, you know, that was then, this is now. And uh, again, I'm happy that my kids think it's cool and that I'm a wrestler. My boys was thinking, oh, I'm going to be a wrestler like that one day. Do I force it upon them? Hell no. Do I let them watch? Not at all. My daughters have watched me a few times through YouTube or DVD or whatever. And they're like, dad, that's not you. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. That's the Greek guy Papadon. <laughs> the guy at your house is not Greek guy Papadon. That's dad. A different, same guy, different uh, persona. Like, you know what it is? And they're like, well, we don't like to see you like that. You're very mean. I'm like, well, I got to play the villain. And I'm like, don't worry about that. I was like, if you don't have to, you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. I was like, but if your friends ask and any, you know, any boys want to ask, you show them that. That's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my sons, again, if they want to do it when they grow older, they, I'm not going to be one to stop them. Only because I'm not going to be like my dad uh, or any other father from that generation that, that try to dictate the, the, the outcome of their kid's livelihood. If they want to be, if my son wants to be a ballerina, then he can be a ballerina. I don't care. As long as it's a reputable profession, that's all I care about. You know, don't want them, you know, working for Vivid Video or anything like that. God forbid, you know, or dancing on a pole or anything like that. Not against those who are doing that. That's their own prerogative. You know, as long as they have something to fall back on. That's all I care about, you know. Because unfortunately, sometimes talent isn't the only thing that's going to bring you to the dance. If it were, that was the case, I'd be headlining WrestleMania every year. Sometimes, you know, even in pro wrestling, there's red tape, there's politics. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, that's the nature of the beast. That's the way the world works. So it is what it is. Yeah, you said a lot of great things there about, you know, persistence and consistency. And 
you know, kind of believing in yourself. And it's funny, you mentioned some of those things you said to your wife, because I basically had a similar conversation with my wife when we started dating, except mine was military related, right? Like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to do all this training and be deployed a bunch. And, you know, I won't be home much. And she was like, all right, I'm in. I was like, all right, cool. Let's, well, let's real, real quick, Evan, let me, let me just say this. Thank you for your service. Um, oh, a lot God, of people, listen, man, I respect the hell out of anybody who decided to give their life to this country. I have a bunch of friends who are in the military. One of my co-hosts from the New Force Order podcast, he was in the military. Um, anybody who decides to put their life on their line for our freedom is a hero in my book. Um, and you're a hero. And anybody in the armed forces, whether they're living or have died fighting for this country, I thank you. And there's no greater hero, in my opinion, than you guys. So thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, so let's jump back on topic and then we're going to start wrapping things up. You know, what's some lessons you can take out of just your experience in wrestling that some of our obstacle course racer focused listeners may be able to apply to their own training? Okay. Well, persistence beats resistance. Um, if you walk away from the table, you're never going to get the winning hand. And this is coming from a guy who has heard a million no's for whatever reason, uh, but not has been, I have not been downplayed where there are people like you just suck dude. give it up for whatever reason. At the time when I was doing my, my tryouts with WWF, they kept telling me, Hey man, you're not tall enough. You know, I legit, I'm five ten. with my wrestling boots on, I'm close to six feet. They're like, Hey, Vince wants a six foot four guy being Vince McMahon, or he wants anyone tall, like over six, two. And all these people who work as producers slash road agents, they have to adhere to what Vince McMahon wants because that's his company. Even though it's a public company, he still runs the show. They get their paychecks from him. So if he says, Hey, I want ABC, they're going to give him ABC, no matter how good XYZ is at the moment. Now that's changed. And unfortunately, Age is an issue at the time when I was around 38, 39, I had guys like William Regal go to bat for me and I still couldn't get an opportunity, but I'm going to give it a go again and try my best and see what happens. And hopefully third time's a charm, but you know, whatever the case may be, do not let people dictate your happiness, do what you got to do. And don't make this something you turn on and off, you know, whether it's, Hey, I'm only going to be a racer on the weekends, but during the week, I'm going to sit down and eat Cheetos and pizza and watch Netflix and chill. No, this is a livelihood. Being an athlete, a professional athlete, being a professional wrestler, being a racer like yourself, an obstacle course racer, it's a livelihood. It means that you wake up it, you live it, you, you eat it, you breathe it, you shit it. Sorry if I curse. You poop it. And then, you know, you don't turn it off. You go to bed with it because being something that defies you becomes you. So that's all I can tell you about that. I mean, I don't know if I'm off base here. Some people like running these races just to say they've done it. But if you're good at it and you're a professional at it and you want this to be something that is part of you, you can't turn it on or off. You got to, you know, if you're going to sit down and binge, you got to realize, hey, maybe it might be a cheat meal. Okay. But if I do this all the time, am I going to get over the hump? Am I going to be able to run these races or perform in the ring to the best of my abilities or do whatever that I do to the best of my abilities? So it's not something you turn on and off. That's the best thing I can tell you. If you're going to do it, do it 100%. Uh, like Yoda says, do or do not. There is no try. Yeah, no, that's absolutely great advice. Nailed it. Phrase I like to use is it's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Yep. And um 
you know, if we, we do have a lot of racers that come and they just enjoy running on the weekends and that's pretty much it. But yeah, if you want to turn it into something that you make money in or even just something that's going to reduce, like, you know, a lot of the sponsors we have and stuff give us stuff. They don't give us cash per se. And you add that stuff up in in a conglomeration and it essentially drops the cost of racing to zero. Um, so it can, it can make a profound difference. And I know some people don't really think like that, but it's, um, I can break it down for someone if they want to talk in person and over how much, uh, how much benefit I've received from, from stuff and uh, less about cash. So, well, listen, I always tell people my favorite F my favorite four letter F word is free. So, <laughs> all right. A couple other quick questions um, just from curiosity side, right? So they, you win all these professional wrestling belts. Do people get as like a champion, do you get to keep a copy of the belt or does, does that go with the promotion or are there some, they give you to like hang up on your wall and your, in your private gym or office there? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish, I wish that was the case. Um, I've won, I've been very fortunate. I've won numerous titles and I don't even know how many titles I've won. It's been so many, you know, these different promotions. I started off, singles and then i was doing tag team you know just only tag team for like five six years so i've won a numerous round of tag team titles all up and down the east coast with my partner at the time his name was havoc who was trained by homicide and the wild samoan alpha um hall of famer wwe hall of famer alpha and we won numerous titles we were collectively known as papadon and havoc aka the solution that was the name of the tag team and we were managed by a guy by the name of John, the sure thing, Shane, who's the greatest manager never to be on television on a national level, in my opinion. And then after that, we went our separate ways, amicably, and I won a numerous amount of championships as a single competitor and numerous amount of heavyweight titles in different companies. Right now, like I said, I have three belts upstairs uh, because during the duration where you're a champion, you can travel with the championship. Some companies let you do that because let's face it, if you're going to, if you got to talk your, your, you got to talk butts in the seats, you got to cut a promo and talk people into the building. You're a champion and you're doing a promo against your, your, uh, your opponent and you're the champion. You don't have the belt in the promo. It kind of looks bushly. Yeah. Yeah. So they let you run away with the, the championship and take it home or whatever. And the best is when you're going through TSA. And people are like, oh, what is that? <laughs> no, it's a belt, man. I'm a pro wrestler. It's my championship belt. Oh, can I take it out and see it? And you have to tell them no because it only because everybody all of a sudden wants to take a picture with the belt. Then you then you're the ultimate bad guy. You know, the ultimate heel. Other than that, I mean, I wish because then I would have all the belts that I've won. Uh, the cool thing is, I did win a big tournament in 2012 called the ECWA Super Eight Tournament. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing the picture from that. I have the actual trophy here in my house. It's behind my bar somewhere. I'm not one to, I mean, I have a bunch of posters and stuff from shows that I've done that I have framed, but I don't have them up on my wall in my man cave downstairs in my basement. All I have is all these movie posters and Star Wars posters. And uh, I unfortunately got in the habit. I used to collect comics. I have 14 long boxes uh, of comics. That's about three, 4,000 comics. I stopped collecting in 98, 99. So it goes to show you that if I continue collecting how bad it, it would be that's just taking up space over here. But I got into the uh, collecting of statues, uh, gentle giant, uh, sideshow collectibles, Kotobukiya statues of all superheroes and, and Star Wars memorabilia. So I have eight cases and I have any more 
downstairs in my basement of all statues from Ikea. You know, those, like, those glass cases, those curio cases that they sell in Ikea. I have eight of them. So I think I have a, an addiction and a problem, but <laughs> that's what's in my basement. I have like, you know, and the only other cool thing I have in my basement, like I have movie posters from other movies, like Goodfellas, Indiana Jones and uh, Avengers and all this other stuff and Ghostbusters and Back to the Future. But I have, you know, the painting in Goodfellas where the guys in his mother's, Joe Pesci's mom made the painting of the dog looking one way and the other way and the old guy in the boat. I have that hanging on my wall too. So, and nice. so yeah, so, you know, I don't really have much wrestling stuff up on my, on my walls. I have more frame that's sitting. I don't feel like putting them up to be honest with you. I don't want to be that guy like, Hey, look at me. This is me back in the day here and there. You know, I want to focus on my future, not my past. Gotcha. One other wrestling industry related question. So you're, you, I'm assuming you come up with your own, I don't know what you call it, persona, character, shtick, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You know, at what point, I'm assuming the guys in WWE probably, probably have a say, but I'm assuming they also get dictated. When does that, when would that transition happen? And, you know, how much of a say do you think those guys have? Just out of curiosity. Well, it, 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 you know what? That's a very good question. Unfor- um, unfortunately, for a time, WWE just said, hey, we're paying you. You got to do what we're telling you to do. So if your name, you know, was, you know, John Smith on the independence and now we signed you to a contract, you're no longer John Smith. Your name is going to be John Jingleheimer Schmidt or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And you have to go with it. But that's changed a little bit over the last five years because what they did is they started getting talent off the independence and some of these talents have made a name for themselves on the independents, like myself, to a degree where they, they were making a good living on the independents because they've become such an asset and a commodity on the independent scene, or they get quote unquote over, that's wrestling terminology for being popular, on the independents that they don't want to change their names when they bring them in. So a lot of them have not changed their names. So you oh, okay. see guys who have transitioned from the independents to WWE in the last five years. They didn't have to change their names. Some of them do. So, you know, it's, it's hit or miss. So if I go, if I get the opportunity to wrestle for WWE or all elite wrestling or whatever the case may be, and they say, Hey man, we want to change your name. Depending on what they want to call me, if I like it and I think it's money, I may do it depending on how many zeros are at the end of the check. You know what I'm saying? On the contract. But uh, you know, as far as my, my name goes, I mean, I've been called, Pop it on because it's my last name. If you take off the IOU of Papa Donio, you get Pop it on. So people always ask, how did you come up with Pop it on? It's just my last name, man. Had a nice ring to it. People like, well, you know, how did you get Greek God? Well, I needed a, a moniker. You know, after I was just Pop it on and Havoc and the solution, I went singles. People like, you can't just be Pop it on. What the hell is a Pop it on? You need some kind of moniker. I was like, all right. So I'm trying to think of something. And I incorporated the aspect of my nationality, which is being Greek. Uh, and the fact that my persona is just an extension of myself amplified a million times, you know, besides Puerto Ricans, Greeks are very prideful in their ancestry, in their beliefs, in their traditions. If you watch the movie, my big fat Greek wedding, it's pretty much spot on to what Greek life is about. And the way Greeks, you know, see Greeks, they see Greek on TV. The first thing they say, see that guy on the screen, he's Greek. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's the truth. Percent true. Yeah. The only thing about the my big fat Greek wedding, I tell people that it's fictional 
is the Windex stuff. That's, I say the same thing. I say the same exact thing when I talk and, to people. And I tell them it, that's just a metaphor for home remedies. They just yes. made it. In, yes. You know, like to me, my mom growing up, your Thea, rubbing alcohol cures everything. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a strong believer in rubbing alcohol. You have a tummy ache, put some rubbing alcohol on it. <laughs> oh, you break your leg, it's okay. Put some rubbing alcohol on it, you'll be fine. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you, you cut open, you need stitches? No, that's okay. Put some Neosporin and clean it with some rubbing alcohol. It'll heal itself, you know? So that's that. And then also the, the fact that they cook the, the, the arni on the suvla, the, uh, the lamb, in the front yard. The Greeks are usually in the backyard, you know? So I don't know why you did that in the movie, but whatever that's real minor details but going back to wrestling the fact that i'm greek and i said to myself okay i want to incorporate greeks because there aren't very many greek wrestlers on tv there are actually none so anyone from wwe all elite wrestling uh nwa ring of honor new japan pro wrestling whatever you guys need something different on TV? Well, I always say use a Greek character because the Greeks invented wrestling. So that's the shtick of the character. We invented wrestling. We are the forefathers of sports entertainment because yeah. we invented the sports of wrestling and we invented theater. So without those two components, there'd be no sports entertainment. And we invented everything else underneath the sun. We're the forefathers of, of civilization. And I know it sounds cocky, but it's actual fact. So to, to me, I take, the, I take those components, right? Yeah, I amplify him to the point where I say everything is invented by Greeks, whether it is or isn't, <laughs> so I can get the, the, that dramatic effect. But also, a good villain in a movie or just in life in general is somebody whose point of view is true from their perspective. So if I come out in the crowd and tell all these people to get on their knees and bow to the Greek god of professional wrestling, because without the Greeks there'd be no wrestling and you guys would be not here today celebrating or enjoying this event. So you guys need to pay homage to the Greeks. There's some truth to that. It's a minute factor, but if I amplify it to so much where people are telling me to go jump off a cliff or telling me to go, you know, F myself because they're angry at me because they know I'm true deep in their heart. Guess what? I just emotionally got them attached to me and to my, my craft into my match so they're gonna boom me out the building so i didn't need to do to do some crazy stunt that they'll forget because unfortunately technology being where technology is today their appreciation and their attention the uh, their, their attention span isn't what it used to be people don't remember anything anymore that's why everything you know gps there's an app for everything yeah. you know uber uh you know uber eats you know doordash people you know green uh Peapod, you know, if there's an if there was an app for somebody to get their butt swiped after pooping in the bathroom, I'm pretty sure people would use it, and they would they wouldn't be able to wipe their own butts. But you know, that's another story for another time. But to be honest with you, if you have a villain that believes what he says and from his point of view it's right, that's the best type of villain because then it doesn't become slapstick, doesn't become a character of that person. And it always stays fresh and relevant. So if I come out and I tell the people in the wrestling crowd, hey, I have wrestling flowing through my veins and it's embedded in my DNA because my ancestors invested, invented it. And guess what? We also invented democracy. Oh, thanks a lot, America, for messing it up. <laughs> we also invented mathematics. We also invented astrology, the Olympics, so on and so forth, advances in medicines, this and that and the other. And guess what? If it wasn't for the Greeks, all you people would be saying, uh, do you want fries with that? 
in your occupation, you know, you guys owe me a debt of gratitude. And then, you know, even though it's, it's true in some aspect, realistically, it's not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not that egotistical. My wife would say otherwise, but I'm not that egotistical at all. But the fact is, they believe it because it's the way I administer it, the way I present it. And they hate me for it to the point where I have little five, six-year-old, seven-year-old kids giving me the finger and using words that they shouldn't be using in front of their parents and their parents behind them, egging them on and giving me the same finger and telling me the same thing. It's like, wow. You know, it's like Walmart's finest telling me I'm number one in their hearts with their middle finger. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's, that, that's, that's basically it. So, you know, that's the character that I portray. I just come out, tell it how it is from my point of view. And if you like it, great. If you don't, great. I'm only there to entertain you. But at the end of the day, when you leave the show, you'll know that I'm one of the best guys on the card and you'll actually get your money's worth through whatever I do. Awesome. Now, one of the things, I forgot to prep you for this question. One of the things we do on the podcast is we ask people, uh, tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. So if I know you've shared a lot with us about on the podcast and some of your interests, but anything else you want to throw out there that you think people would be surprised to know? I'm a great dancer. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> Thank you. What, do you. what about yourself? Um, so I do, I try to do these every time and I try to match something that the, um, what should we call it, the guest says. But I, for dancing, I think I already used this one. I have like one dance move that I always break out at uh, like weddings and stuff. It's, um, I can't even remember the name of it. It's, I, I have one break dance move that I use. Oh, and nice. People, people love it. And I got it from one of the uh, high school musicals. I was in, uh, I don't know, say, I think Say Anything. I can't even remember. No, not Say Anything. That's the movie. Anything Goes. Um, okay. So uh, it's, it's the, I think, Pepper Grinder or something. You basically, <laughs> you hop over one leg like in, on your hands, basically. It's, um, it, get, it gets people going. People like it. Sweet, man. That's I awesome, dude. I, I bust that out every time. Were you at, were you, were you, were, I don't know how old you might have been at the time, but were you at... Uh... Our cousin Irene Papa Michael, Sweet Sixteen. Uh, if I was, I don't remember. All I remember uh, is my mom dragging me to a hundred different baptisms and Sweet Sixteen uh, weddings when I was a kid. I can't, I couldn't tell you which one was which, to be honest. Gotcha. Uh, the only reason why is because I remember uh, a funny story. We were at our, we were, we were at our Sweet Sixteen, and I'm wearing dress pants and we're dancing. And I do a split in the pants rip, <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I ran to the, my car because I remember I had a pair of jeans for some reason in the backseat of my car. I had to switch and I was wearing jeans for the rest of the, uh, the Sweet 16. Still dancing it up on the dance floor in the middle of the circle to all the house music. Amazing. I used to party. Back in my younger days, we used to go to Limelight, you know, Palladium, Sound Factory till wee hours in the morning and just dancing it up and having a good time. But those were the days. Now it's social distancing. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I took um, part of us sitting at home. I, me and my daughter watched the... Uh, part of WrestleMania with the, with the one without the crowd this year, which was it's eh. weird, right? Yeah. I didn't like it. We, I ended up, we ended up watching last year's cause I hadn't seen that either uh, as a consolation afterwards. Anyway, my daughter is obsessed with uh, Charlotte flair now because she has a oh, lot she, of feathers. She's a, she, she's a good wrestler. Yeah. 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 yeah man. So anyway, ne next time we're in New York and wrestling's back on, we're definitely going to come see you. And right, uh, cool. if anyone else is listening, wants to come see you, you know, where can they find a list of, where they can find oh. what matches. Okay. Um, well, it's very simple. You can find me on Twitter at Greek God Papadon. 
Now, I'm going to make it easy for all the fans out there because I know the wrestling fans aren't very smart, but I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to all you obstacle horse fans. So the rest, my wrestling name is Greek God Papadon, okay? So on Twitter, it's at Greek God Papadon. On Instagram, wait for it. I'll pause for dramatic effect. It's Greek God Papadon. On Facebook, it used to be Greek God Papadon, but then we had to use our real names. So it's Demetrius Papadon. There's something called ProWrestlingTees.com. It's a, a website where each individual independent wrestler has their own shop of wrestling t-shirts. So my personal shop is ProWrestlingTees forward slash Greek God Papadon. I have my own YouTube channel. It's called Greek God Papadon, where you can see matches and promos. Um, and then my email for any promoters out there or anybody who wants to sponsor me like some of your sponsors that deal with the obstacle courses are looking for wrestlers to i don't know diversify their portfolio of partners is papadon595 at yahoo.com now as far as my podcast goes you can follow the new force order at nfo underscore podcast on twitter new force order on instagram uh official new force order on facebook newforceorder.com is the website where you can buy merchandise like new force order t-shirts mugs flamethrowers mankinis you name it we got it and then the email for new force order if you guys want to email and talk to us about star wars it's new force order at yahoo.com now the horseman Sorry, I'm going long-winded here, Evan. The Conspiracy Horseman is Conspiracy Horseman. That's the name of the podcast. It's twitch.tv forward slash Conspiracy Horseman, Wednesday, 7.15, every Wednesday, live feed. Or you could type in Conspiracy Horseman on any podcast uh, provider, and you'll get the show. Awesome. Good information. And we're going to throw up a bunch of those links on the Strength and Speed page, and we'll throw them up on Instagram. And we'll probably we'll share a couple of your matches that uh you send us and some of your promos and stuff like that cool people, man. people can see what it's like now i took out my book right here i'm gonna read the acknowledgement section this one this two sentence here says i'm going through thanking people and it says the greek god Papadon, who's the great who is a great professional wrestler and my cousin he showed me that if you have a dream you should go for it and keep trying regardless of how long it might take if you're a wrestling fan make sure you look him up on social media then tell wwe to go ahead and sign the greatest unsigned talent today so that was awesome, man. Thank you. I got chills. Dude, give me chills. <laughs> Thank you, dude. So it's in the back of my book for the, anyone that's listening, you want to check out the strength and speed website. You can find it at teamstrengthspeed.com. on there. I have all my books. Majority of them are obstacle course racing focused as far as training goes. Uh, but then I also have my biography on there. It's uh, called ultra OCR man from special forces soldier to record setting professional obstacle course racer. Uh, that's available in digital hard copy and now an audio book. And other than that, there's some coupon codes on our website. So if anyone needs some supplements from Hammer Nutrition, our referral number 240887 gives you 15% off your first order. And there's a strength training product called Yoked uh, that we're a big fan of. So if you, you want to check that out, code STRENGTH20 gives you 20% off orders from Yoked.com. And you can find all that stuff on the teamstrengthspeed.com uh, website. So, Demetri, again, thanks for coming on. This is great. I, I really enjoyed it and um, can't wait for the coronavirus quarantine to end. And like I said, next time I'm in New York, we're definitely going to bring my daughter to a match and we'll be, 
we'll be the ones in the chat in the crowd covered in Greek flags and wearing all sorts of Greek paraphernalia. And I'm actually wearing the Greek F and God shirt um, from your from the T-shirt website uh, right now while doing this. Very thing. nice, very oh. nice. Super well, soft. I really like it. That's what she said. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> uh listen thank you for having me evan this was dope i had a good time uh you know talking shop with you and if you ever want me to come back on i'm we'll be more than happy to and uh, remember people out there follow your dreams you can hear at the end of the day you can hear a million no's you only need one yes it's true that's very true that same goes when we're applying for sponsors for our uh obstacle course racing team i get i get literally 100 no's you know and then a couple of them say yes and it it works out well. So you just got to keep trying and be persistent and consistent there. So absolutely. Thanks again for coming on. We will catch up with you later and yeah. Good talking to you. Definitely, man. Everyone stay safe. 